Do you? I, I mean, do you collect anything? No. Just a few coins from some of the countries I've traveled to. My father didn't care for military collections. I guess it stuck with me. Any man with a collection like this is a man who's never set foot on a battlefield. To him, a mini ball from Shiloh is just an artifact. And to a combat vet, it's a hunk of metal that caused some poor bastard a world of pain. I must have misshelved it, your book. Uh, we'll do it another time. Oh, we will do it another time. My name is Jim Scampoli. Uh, welcome to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen many James Candolfini movies. <laughs> My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen one film starring James Gandolfini. Uh, that's technically not true, but this is kind of what we're doing. Do you guys get it? We're talking about James Gandolfini films. I know you were expecting The Godfather 3, um, but guess what? We're still waiting for the re-release of that so that Jim can get a fresh look, get to see the recut, uh, or I guess the fucking Godfather coda, as they want to call it, the death of Michael Corleone. Um, we Which will is be getting very soon, by the way. I think it's coming up yeah. at the early December, so it should be something we'll be doing shortly. Exactly. If you're not excited for it, I mean, it is The Godfather 3, so I wouldn't blame you, but uh, but I'm really interested to see how it plays out. But for now, we decided to uh, do a, a bit of a different dive and uh, picked a Gandolfini film, almost at random, uh, honestly, and we ended up with The Last Castle. Uh, which came out in 2001. We're going to get into what that film's about. Don't worry if you haven't seen it, honestly. Um, this is a little bit an excuse to talk about Gandolfini and his acting um, in a different context. So if you haven't seen the film, don't worry uh, about spoilers or anything. It, it's fine. Don't, uh, just trust me on that. Don't worry about it. Uh, but before we get into that, Jim, I think we had some uh, feedback or some such. Yes, yeah. Well, I will say, because you said we kind of picked it at random, because... I mean, we wanted a movie where he had, like, a sizable role. Because there's a few other things we can get into, like um, True Romance. It's a very good movie. He has a decent-sized role, but it's not huge. Uh, we did we, we, we pulled this movie, Italian movie, which I don't know yes. if he has a big role in or not. But, I mean, I don't know. Like, my first thought, and I know that's not what this movie is, but my first thought is that it's like scary movie or one of those movies. Like it's just a goof. <laughs> it's like a it parody. came out way before <laughs> yeah. a scary movie in that. But that was my thinking as well because it has like James Gandolfini on the poster, which I think they did just later because yes. he was famous afterwards. It's just a big his face, even though he's not got a big role. It's called the Italian, an Italian movie. It's the Italian just movie. it's just Italian movie, and uh, yeah. I mean it's so clear. Like yeah, they 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 on the poster. If you look at it on IMDb, <laughs> they were like oh shit James Gandolfini's famous now let's put his face really big and then there's a couple which I assume are the main <laughs> characters they're kind of little yes. little towards the bottom there uh and but it's like 
where do you find this movie? I mean, we'll have to dig a little deeper. I absolutely deeper. wanted to do that, but it is not on Pirate Bay. It is not on any major streaming sites. It is not on any illegal streaming fi- sites that I've found. If you have a link for Italian movie, send it to shows what you know show at gmail.com because I was like, I am ready to dig into this movie, <laughs> probably make fun of it, and have a grand old time with my friend Jim and all our listeners. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to do the same thing with The Last Castle yeah. instead. I mean, I do want to read the synopsis the comedy drama stars Michael Della Femina as a pizzeria owner, Leonardo and Caprice Benedetti as his materialistic wife, uh, Anna. Is that her name? All right, whatever. Leonardo is a compulsive gambler. Oh, the pizza owner is Leonardo. Jesus, I was reading this very, very wrong and weird. I apologize. So a comedy drama stars Michael Femini as the pizza owner, Leonardo. And Caprice mm-hmm. Benedetti is his materialistic wife, Anna. Leonardo is a compulsive gambler who tries to make up for his losses by becoming a male escort. So I don't know where James Gandolfini is fun. <laughs> yeah. Is James Gandolfini in this film? Cause his face is all over the poster, Jim. <laughs> he plays Angelo. Uh, the other thing, and I'd mentioned this a long time ago and I'm thinking of it now, uh, is we need to get our hands on the Sopranos video game, uh, yes. which I believe came out for PlayStation <laughs> 2. So that's another thing we'll have to get get to. But yes, but right now it's about The Last Castle. Uh, I do want to read. We got um, an email from Raphael. Uh, hey, guys, I recently binged your Cut to Black podcast because it's so entertaining. I have to admit that I had some initial doubts as I had just finished a husband and wife Sopranos podcast, which was also entertaining. I didn't realize that's a thing. I mean, I guess any angle you can go for. Uh, that's me. That's my aside, by the way, uh, about the husband and wife <laughs> Sopranos podcast. Sure. I mean, basically, I have listened to several husband and wife podcasts or whatever. I think it's just you're in the same place a lot. It's really handy for recording, <laughs> to be honest. Um, we're kind of like a husband and wife as well, so I can see yeah. why you would have doubts. But my doubts were quickly assuaged. Did I say that right? The two of you provide you insights that made me re-examine the show. Even though it was one of my favorite shows, there are so many layers I'd miss, which forced me to rewatch some of the episodes. And then you know how it is. You eat one potato chip, and before you know it, it's a bag that's empty. By the way, I'm listening. Uh, by the way, I'm still listening. Keep posting. Recently, I listened to your Godfather episodes. I have a few comments. You mentioned a few things I'd like to comment on. The first is the meeting with Hyman Roth and Michael in Godfather 2. It's a very memorable scene. In fact, I'm asked at times to do the Hyman Roth part as well as the Fredo scene about respect. Now, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Is That means it's like in Sopranos when they're like, Sil, come on, babe. Like, is he or is this gentleman? His name is Raphael, so that is exactly what <laughs> yeah. I'm imagining. <laughs> uh, do the thing. Where's your true enemy? Yeah. The Hyman Roth scene is the ultimate non sequitur. So to me and my friends and others I've worked with, it's very memorable. Uh, on the subject of Skylar White, Kay Corleone, and Carmela Soprano, I think each one of them is different. And you know what? I'll throw Lorraine uh, Bracco's Godfather, from, uh, Lorraine Bracco's character from Goodfellas, as a bonus. Mm. I confess, I confess that I went through some of the Skylar hate myself, even though I like Anna Gunn. While Carmela and Lorraine Bracco could be seen as nagging, they aren't trying to make a moral, take a moral high ground over their husbands because of how they make a living. What they are doing is accepting that it's the life they've chosen, to paraphrase Hyman uh, Roth, uh, but they want to protect their families. In light of the choices they've made, Carmela is a bit more complicated because she also wants material goods, but tries to pretend like she doesn't. She just doesn't want to be embarrassed and have stuff like mistresses leave, t- uh, leave Tony's world and encroach on hers. Is she a moral character? No. However, she's a bit different from Skylar. 
I mean, this is, we've talked about this quite a bit, like the audience reaction to Skylar White, or even kind of, it, it is like a prototypical character in some of these movies or TV shows where we, where we follow an anti-hero and, you know, a, a lot of cases their, their wife or significant other kind of does take the moral like opposite. And mm -hmm. in some cases, even when they're completely correct, uh, they're labeled as like, yeah, nagging bitch or whatever. Um, and we've talked a bit about that with Carmela because Carmela is like, she does really enjoy the, the, the finer points of that lifestyle, but she has this guilt and like, like Raphael points out here more. So some of the embarrassment that comes with it, especially when it comes to Tony's, uh, gumas and, and whores on the side. Um, yeah. So he's getting into a little bit with Skyler here. Now, the thing is, I haven't watched Breaking Bad in, in quite a while. Uh, so I, I only, you know, I've the, I, obviously I've seen it. I've seen multiple seasons twice. So I don't remember a lot of the particulars. I did actually recently pick up a little uh, Breaking Bad complete series on Blu-ray. I'm a Blu-ray collector. Oh, fancy. So I might have to do a rewatch. But I do remember it was very kind of um, unwarranted a bit. I mean, I yeah. get it because in some cases uh, it is like, ah, we're having fun. We're selling meth. We're shooting guys. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I want to touch on that. It's really uh, interesting perspective from Raphael on that, like that, uh, you know, he seems to say he liked sort of Carmilla's stance more because she's not trying to take the moral high ground. She's thinking of it more as the life she's chosen. The interesting thing is that obviously, sorry if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, but like Skylar, the wife in Breaking Bad, literally did not choose that life. Like the, that's yeah. the big divide, isn't it? Where in all the mob films, all the women pretty much know what they're getting into. There's almost always a scene where the the female lead sees this darker side in their husband, and they're a little bit turned on by it. Yeah, and they're like, Ooh. true. And here's some something fancy. So. That does make Carmilla more complicated, which makes her more interesting because she has that conflict. Skylar, it's um, from Breaking Bad, it's easier to say that she's right because she literally married like a school teacher uh, who was a total average Joe and then started selling meth. So she did not know what she was getting into at all. She is totally right uh, all the time, but that also makes her more one note. So I do understand how that could like enhance someone's dislike of her because Skylar rightfully so is like, what the fuck, Walt, are you doing? <laughs> like, she's always like that, but her reaction makes sense. Meanwhile, Carmilla will say that, but she has more complexities because she's kind of culpable and kind of not. Yeah, he does get a little bit more into uh, his ah. point, though. So uh, let me get into it. Uh, she's a bit different from Skylar. Skylar, on the other hand, tries to portray herself as better than her husband. I liked the character then because she was right, both morally and ethically. However... After she cheats on Walt and then gives some of the dirty money that Walt has accumulated. I mean, I, I, I don't want, I guess this is kind of spoilers for Breaking Bad. I, I, I don't think these broad strokes, if you've never seen it, I'm sure a lot of listeners have already seen it, so they're aware of this, but I guess just yeah. in case. Um, gives some of the dirty money that Walt has accumulated to the guy she's cheating on him with to help him cover up a crime that he's committing. She lost my respect. Now, that being mm -hmm. said, uh, hate mail and threats, that's ridiculous and uncalled for. 
I, I guess I get what he's saying. Like, I mean, again, I don't remember a lot of the specifics and how some of this stuff play, played out. I just remember kind of the broad strokes. But again, it's like if you got a, like a if you got the the old uh, measuring plates of justice. I mean, you got her a few things on 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 hers, and then Walt's got a bunch of shit that he's done. So. Uh, either way. And then he's like, I didn't forget about Kay. She's completely different from all the other ones previously mentioned. Kay is morally and ethically right all along. She is a bit naive, but she's young and in love. She even tries to take an active role in ending the relationship to the point of getting an abortion. She doesn't want anything to do with how Michael, with how Michael earns a living. She just wants to protect her kids the best she can. Uh, that is what the other women are missing, by the way. I didn't really think of any of them as nagging. Maybe Skylar. <laughs> However, I like all the actresses. Um, one last thing about Michael going to the army. It'd be interesting if Michael signed up for the army because he's trying to get away from himself. Maybe he knew deep down that he might be good at what his father did, um, that his hand might be steady in the face of danger. Maybe that scared him enough to make him want to head in a different direction. And it may be why his father is trying to steer him in a different direction because he didn't do it for Sonny or Fredo. Again, keep up the great work. I really enjoy listening. So thank you for the Hand email. steady in the face of danger. Wow. You should be, you should be writing <laughs> fan fiction or something. I like this. And really great, interesting points um, about those characters on the portrayals. It, all this is just making me want to rewatch Breaking Bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. So. I'm getting a little of that feeling soon, too. Um, and then I did get, we get another email from uh, the bad guy. That's say hello, say hello to the bad guy podcast. I uh, just heard the Godfather two episode. Uh, thank you so much for the shout out and the plug. I was listening to it, making breakfast and heard it was so surprised. I uh, seriously wasn't going for that. He says, <laughs> uh, okay, sure. I just really love you guys show. And I'm still in the newlywed phase with my podcast. So I was reaching out to people whose show I love to get feedback on mine. So I'm thrilled to hear you checked out some of my show. Uh, glad to see stuff still popping up in the Sopranos feed. I've started with Cobra Kai also, though I'm not caught up. So, yeah, Cobra, uh, I, I hope you're caught up or up there uh, right now because we've been recommending it. Um, it's a great show. Uh, I know. You yeah, got- I mean, uh, oh, we, I, I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about it, but we did discuss every <laughs> single episode of Cobra Kai on No Mercy, a Cobra Kai kickback, which you can find on your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's very good. Uh, we kind of. Honestly, like, it's weird because we discussed all of it before it was released on Netflix and it became, like, a lot more popular, obviously, um, which I think led more people to listen to the podcast as well. But we already finished recording it by then. So I'm not saying I'm, like, over it, but it's kind of like, I'm like, oh, yeah, we did discuss every single episode of that. (laughs) Because it's obviously way quicker than uh, The Sopranos. It just took us, like, a few months. Uh, I know you guys are talking about possibly looking into real-life mobsters someday. If you ever need info about that, quality resources or anything, don't hesitate to reach out. I get you on the right right path. No plug required. <laughs> Love the show. Thanks for the content. Now, I, I definitely, I think I'm going to take you up on that. And um, maybe we could uh, work together on something soon. So, because I, I think we, we, we do want to get into some of that after we get into some Gandolfini and The Godfather 3. Now, we did also get a review. Uh, much appreciated on any of the reviews here. Uh, we love it. It helps the show. And let's, uh, you know, there's so many podcasts. So please review. Uh, even this four-star rating from mm. uh, <laughs> uh, <this> Nepple <laughs> Sultra one two three. I had my doubts in the beginning. Is the title what? that, that other theme? That other person had their doubts. This is a really amazing podcast. I mean, it is. They gave four stars. Amazing four-star podcast. <laughs> Have you been to a four-star hotel, Jim? They're really nice. That's true. The two hosts uh, give really great insights, and they have great rapport. 
They're able to pick out nuances that I initially missed. I only have two real knocks, so I guess this is where we lost the points. The first one is they tend to mispronounce some words that I consider pretty common. Now, again, I, I mentioned this to you before we turned on the mics. I'm blaming your Sweden-European heritage. I mean, sure, clearly it couldn't have been me that's mispronouncing words. <laughs> I think it's you. Yes. <laughs> I mean, if we can get into it. Uh, what's this reviewer's name again? Uh, Nepal Sultra 123. Well, Nepal Sultra 123. <laughs> Um, how good is your Swedish? I'm just That's asking. True. Like, yeah. is it really like? Can you pronounce Rättvik, Dalarna, Södertälje? Are these place names that just spring naturally from thine lips? Um, I didn't grow up with English surrounding me. All of this is uh, a precursor to me going. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah that that may happen. That may happen. Um, I mean, but, yeah. I and mean, to be fair, I'm sure I've mispronounced some words. I'll, I'll cop to it as well. Uh, although this person does say, unfortunately, I found that in a lot of newer podcasts. So I, I guess I think this a- person just likes their words <laughs> yeah, that's true. and likes their dictionaries, uh, <laughs> uh, which is fair. Interestingly, I, I learned a lot of my English through listening to audiobooks. So I, my pronunciation would be better than my spelling. <laughs> but it's also because I'm Swedish. I live in Ireland. My influences are all over the place. Um, so uh, I, you never really know what's going to come out of my mouth. And I don't really either. either. And I'm a real sponge for accents as well. So, uh, yeah, if you can't take the heat, get out of my Italian kitchen. The second knock has to do with noises like phone rings and alerts. That should be better managed. Now, I'm trying to think what that would be because I don't think my phone goes off, but I will cop to. Now, the way we're recording is obviously I'm recording jacob through my computer audio so i know sometimes i know in the past i've gotten twitch alerts for my other show so i know those have played every now and then or maybe if i accidentally left like facebook open in a tab maybe an alert might have played so yeah i'll Mm. cop to it i guess for the two things only one star off i'll allow it but nepal sultra maybe if we win you over down the line you go and edit this review and make it a five star it is possible you can edit reviews um Anything else to that? Was that the end of the review? Yeah, that's the whole review. I mean, still much appreciate appreciate the review. Um, it's still a very positive review, so uh, I'll take it. I will as well. Uh, we've talked for like twenty minutes, and we haven't gotten into the film yet. So, <laughs> all right, yes, I'm just gonna, yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna move the conversation along. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Last Castle. It's a film that came out in two thousand and one. Um, this film is, you know, James Gandolfini's in it. Basically, the plot is it's a military prison, and we have a warden who is played by our friend James Gandolfini. Yes. Um, and we have basically uh, a prisoner, a high-profile general prisoner uh, coming in, and there's just this uh, conflict that arises between the two, basically over control of the fucking prison yeah and um, that's that's my summary of it do you have anything to add to that on a very broad level uh no no i think that that pretty much sums it up it's uh like it's very much like a dad movie or like a granddad <laughs> movie i guess and i don't mean yes. that as like a knock but it's just you know it it's it kind of ticks those boxes and i i mean it's still I, I, it's a very good movie i because i think the cast is great the the story is kind of like you know where it's going like there's nothing crazy with the story i like that i i mean especially even reading through you could tell watching the movie that there were a lot there were 
a lot of choices and thoughts made into the, on the filmmaking side. And then when you read through the Wikipedia, there's even a little bit more things they, they went into it. So I, I appreciate that a lot. I love seeing Gandolfini in a role like this. And, and I, I'm basing this off of nothing except, I guess, a feeling. But I feel like he loves that he gets to play a character like this. And he has a lot of fun with it. Because yeah. he's like a poser guy. who's like He's like a slimy poser wannabe. But like yeah. that, it, it, I don't it, like that works to his, you know, I guess villainous approach to, you know, control and manipulation. Um, I mean, I guess I'm you just ask the broad strokes, but otherwise, the broad strokes you hit, that's kind of the basis of the movie. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll get more into this, but usually you and I have pretty similar opinions about stuff. I don't think this is a very good movie, Jim. Did um, I say very good? I mean, I think it's a good movie. I think it's still, I think it's a good uh, watch. Oh, sorry. I, I, sh- I was being, I, I think this is a bad movie. Okay, all right. All <laughs> I right. think uh, James Gandolfini is great in it, and I think there's stuff in it that is good, but I, I, I don't think it's a good movie, and I'll get, get into loads of that as we go. Sure. Uh, but if you haven't heard of this film, it's possibly because it costs about $72 million to make, and it only made about $27 million at the box office. Um, this film is directed by Rod Lurie. I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, this Let guy, me say, I, uh, I'm sorry, before you get too far, uh, and again, yeah. not to say, just to defend the box office or comment on the box office, not to say that yeah. this movie would have lit the box office f- on fire either way, uh, but mm-hmm. I do, keep in mind, this movie came out October 19th, 2001, uh, so it's only a month after 9-11, so I don't think a lot of people were going to the movies. Um, sure. Again, I, I, not that this would have been a huge, huge hit or anything like that, but I do feel like it would have done better. But especially at the time, because there's even like a like a footnote about how the initial poster was an upside down American flag that they had to change. And I, yeah. I do remember at the time, like when it happened, that was still at the point where people were like, I don't want to go to places because you think that you're going to get attacked or whatever. Um, but I'm sorry, con- continue. Well, I do have a, a rebuttal, which is that Rod Lurie has directed seven feature films They're in all total. Not, yeah. None of which have been successes at the box office. The vast majority have performed dr- drastically under their budget. And honestly, so his other films, I haven't seen any of them. Have you, Maybe you have. Um, uh, but let they me might, double they check. Might, they might be brilliant. I'm just shocked at how he's able to keep directing films. Uh, to give you just some numbers, obviously, box office is not everything. It's it's not a criticism on him. It's just a shock to me that he just keeps making films. Uh, he made Resurrecting the Champ, cost $13 million, made $3 million in the box office. He made Nothing But the Truth, cost $11 million, made 400000 He made Straw Dogs, cost $25 million, made $11 million for example. Um, so those are some of them. To and be fair, though, this one as well. after Straw Dogs, he, he, had, he didn't make a movie for nine years. I mean, it looks like he did yeah. a lot of TV directing. Uh, Straw yeah. Dogs also is a remake of uh, yeah. the initial movie. Well, I did see the back half of his Straw Dogs. It was fine. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know these other movies. Yes, he made one film that came out this year as well, which is a military film. Now, he does have a military background um, in that he was in West Point 
Uh, he keeps referencing West Point in all his films yeah. and having military stuff in it. Uh, he also made the show Commander-in-Chief, which was about the first uh, the fictional first uh, female president of the United States that ha- was kind of uh, successful as far as uh, people watching it, but it was cancelled in the first season anyway. Um, so anyway, I don't want to get too much into him, uh, but it's it was just a footnote that I was just like, how does this guy keep making uh, films? I, I don't get it. Um, but anyway, so you you like the film, yeah? I, I kind of overall liked it just in a, um, well, like I said, I like the cast. I like yeah. that the um, the split diopters, is that how you say it? Am I pronouncing that right? Nipple Sultra? Um, you know what that is, right? No. The split diopter shot, it's those shots when, you know, obviously usually in a film you have something in focus and things out of focus in the background, but it allows you to have things at different distances, uh, but in this in focus. And this movie has a yeah. ton of them. I believe, I mean, I, I only started noticing like halfway through the movie. I did watch the movie in two sessions, so it's not like I couldn't have loved it too much because I watched an hour of it. And I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the rest of this later. Uh, yeah. And then I watched the second half the next day. I believe they're all done in um, the warden's office because it's Mm. like whenever we're there, like with Gandolfini, you're always seeing the other people like behind him and stuff, but they're all in like they're all in the same focus. It's all those like split shots. Um, And I mean, I guess like it is basic. It's not that deep shit. It's kind of like, you know, hey, this guy, this Colonel Winter is shallow. So all these shots are, you know, there's no depth <laughs> to these shots. Uh, and I mean, again, it, it, a lot of it get, does go to the cast. Although I, not that I love Robert Redford. This is, I'm not well versed in Robert Redford movies, but yeah. his character in this movie is kind of, I don't want to say shit, but it's just like, I guess in my opinion, what a Robert Redford character is because He's never really emotional at all. Like yeah. even uh, when he vi- gets a visit from his daughter, uh, played by uh, Robin Wright, by the way, from House of Cards. Uh, mm. And even then, like he still kind of is like he's trying to rebuild this relationship because you, you, I think you get a lot from it just from the idea that okay, military dad wasn't there for his family. Like there's all these like shortcuts or these broad strokes that you pick up from it. But even then he doesn't even show emotion or regret. He's just kind of like, Oh man, would love to see my grandson. Be cool to get a picture of him. It's been two years or whatever. And then she's like, I'm not going to come here. Like I can't do this with you and come visit you in prison. And he's like, Hey, maybe we could write a letter then. Like he's not even, <laughs> he's not, he's even not emotional about that. And he's, he's not emotional about like the plot of the, film either yeah. like when people are killed and he decides to cause a you know huge riot and all of this he does all this with what's supposed to be kind of an old school hard ass like i don't feel emotions i have just decided this is the right thing so i'm gonna do it he's like a cowboy in an early cowboy film you know yeah i really love robert radford in for example butch cassidy and the sundance kid um, but yeah, I'm not super well versed in him either. The choice of him as an actor is definitely because this character, who's the general coming in, requires this sort of, he needs to be the guy who people just fo- naturally follow his orders, sort of, and mm. just one, the guy, like he's the boy scout, he always plays by the rules or whatever, but then he didn't once, and now he's still atoning for it, and he's in prison because of it. Um 
all of that makes sense on paper, but in practice, it means that he doesn't have much personality at all. And I think Robert Redford is a good actor, but there's absolutely no space for him to do any acting in this film, I'm afraid. <laughs> I don't know, because my, in my opinion, and again, this is based off of nothing. In my opinion, I would almost, and again, I, yeah, I, I, this is all hearsay, but I, in my mind, I feel like he came in and was like, no, this is how this character would be. Like, mm. I feel like maybe there was a little bit more on the page. And again, I, I'm not basing this off anything, but, and then he was the one that's like, no, I'm, I'm Robert Redford. I'm the general. Like I, I take this stuff in stride because I'm playing chess with every single person um yeah. in my life but again i'm not based off anything and i've never even seen butch cassidy and the sundance kid i've i only know robert redford from a lot of these more recent movies which i still kind of liked like there's the mm. old man the gun i watched that like a year or two ago um and then like the other one where he's like lost at sea and in those movies he plays this same character where he's kind yeah. of <laughs> always like things happen and he doesn't fl- he doesn't he doesn't get phased and I, I and maybe I'm basing it off of because he is such a name, because I imagine when you hire someone like Robert Redford or they were they were speaking on this with Sean Connery recently passing. There's been stories about him like being hired to to some of these later movies. And these are the type of actors when you hire them, they come in and they're like, here's my notes on the script. And this is what we're doing. Even if they're not a writer, they sit with the writer or the director and they're like, no, we're doing this, this and this because I'm this person and or I'm Clint Eastwood or whatever the fuck. And this is what we're doing. Uh, But again, I don't have evidence to back that up. I'm just basing that off of a, uh, my own feeling. Yeah. Uh, So honestly, like there's a lot to like in the film when you were talking of, you know, split diameter, sorry if I mispronounced it. (laughs) Yeah. Shots and all of that. Like a lot of the brick and mortar filmmaking is good. Like the, uh, maybe that's why uh, our friend Rod keeps making films because the actual like putting together of the film is quite good. And it could have been very good in my eyes. Again, if it does something for you, that's great. But I just, it's one of those nagging things where it's like, it's so close to, to being good that I'm annoyed. Um, and it's mainly to do with Robert Redford's character, not not necessarily just his performance, but the, the character itself, because his archetype uh, uh, is one that I have been, like when I was watching it, I was just rolling my eyes from the start of yeah. the film. Yeah. But at the start of the film, I was still kind of thinking that the film itself might consider him a weirdo piece of shit. Uh, and I like that because in practice he is kind of a weirdo piece of shit you know like if it was taking more of a like these are two weird people who are get off on power over people and they're duking it out in this prison if that was the film i'd be like this is pretty interesting if the film was more cynical it would have worked better for me and maybe that's just me being you know a, a fucking uh millennial i've watched too many films i can't have a straightforward story kind of thing but i don't think that's it because we just said about the godfather it's simple and it works whereas this is simple and it didn't quite work for me and i'll yeah. give you an example where i was kind of on board with it until there's this thing where Robert Redford is punished by the prison warden, James Gandolfini, who carries the film, um, and he's given like rock and he does. He's given rock and roll duty, which means he's going to build this wall all day from like horn to horn. And that scene was kind of when I was like, this film is silly because what happens is he, Robert Redford, carries rocks all day 
uh, to this wall and all the prisoners are betting on whether he'll yeah. collapse or when he'll collapse but he is just such an old hard ass archetype that he can just carry the rocks all day he doesn't give a shit it doesn't matter they even extended and try to trick him but he is this fucking wild west <laughs> character yeah. this trope who can't be beaten down he is a hero which would be fine if they also committed to the weird the bad things he does being bad if that makes sense um but what they do is they have triumphant music with him flinging the last rock. All the prisoners who, when he arrived at the prison, there were all these like inter-race conflicts and stuff. All the prisoners are cheering Robert Redford for flinging that last rock. And it felt cartoonish to me yeah. um, because it's a lot of stuff that would have worked I feel if this was a cheesy 70s film, it's kind of written like that. And Robert Redford fits into it like that. Um, But I'm just like, it just feels off because it's uh, so, I don't know if over the top is the right word, but it's like the film so making it so black and white when it doesn't feel black and white is what made me go, oh, you're trying to manipulate me into feeling who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. And if you left it as a question, this could be an interesting film, but it's not a film that wants to ask questions. It wants to have a clear villain and a clear hero. Um, and that just doesn't add up. And they have a lot, he has a line at the end where one of the prisoners is like, why would you kill yourself to build his wall? And he's like, it's not his wall. It's your wall. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, this is just going to make me puke. <laughs> but see, but that's, I, I agree with everything you're saying, but also it's not that movie. It's not that movie you want. And, and again, this doesn't make it good. Like, I'm not saying this like to defend like the bad things of the movie, but that's why I mean when it's like, this is a granddad movie, this is a dad movie, or like, especially if it's like a military granddad movie where it's just kind of like, you know, that's how we are, natural leaders. <laughs> you know, like, I guess it's kind of like wish fulfillment in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't really defend anything that you're saying, but for whatever reason, like, cause the, the biggest thing, even though I'm like, oh, I kind of like this, but I just, again, cause I like it cause I like the cast and I like some of the filmmaking choices. I like Gandolfini a lot in it, but I could never defend the story because the story, you know, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is when I was watching this, like 40 minutes in, I was like, oh wait, I've seen this movie <laughs> and not even oh, just, really? not even just in the way of like, I've seen this movie. Cause you've seen, even without seeing this movie, you've seen this movie, but also yeah. I was like, no, wait, I've actually, I have seen this. I think I might have even really? seen it in the theaters. Uh, Interesting. But I didn't remember <laughs> it until like, because we got Clifton Collins Jr. as uh, uh, Corporal Aguilar. And I love Clifton Collins Jr. And then I was like, oh, yeah, all right. Now I know where this is going. I remember all this. But, but it was a little bit of like, wait, do I know that where this is going? Because it's just a general like paint by numbers in a lot of ways as far as the plotting. Or no, actually, I have, I have seen this before. I just kind of forgot. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, what you were saying about uh, you've seen this movie, even if you haven't seen it. That's why I was like, don't worry about spoilers. Because, yeah. like, watch the first five minutes of this. You're going to know how the film ends. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're fine. Um, the reason for me, I, I a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about, like you said, it's not the movie I want. And usually I'd be like, 
yeah, fair. It's not trying to do that. The problem is I've just seen better versions of all of this. For sure. I've seen better versions of everything that happens in this film. Uh, it's like Shawshank Redemption meets military movie. Like, that's what this is, but it doesn't pull anything off better than other versions that I've seen, except for James Candlefeedy, who is excellent. The scene from the beginning of our podcast there is so good yeah. um, when James Gandolfini goes to get a book to get it signed by this new prisoner because it's his book, like this general. He has all this respect for this new prison coming into the prison and his reaction when he just overhears him, like Robert Radford talking shit about him. Uh, and uh, it's just so good and so James Gandolfini. Um, it is kind of similar to what we'd see on The Sopranos where like some small thing will make him go <laughs> yeah. like fuck this guy and then like the whole film is about or episode is about him fucking pushing Bobby down and making him kill someone or whatever you know <laughs> yeah yeah it is great too that it that is like such it's the inciting like moment from the movie in a lot of ways um just the fact that he overhears it and gets all like butthurt because you know he is basically saying like and Robert Redford again this is another thing like Robert Redford's character like he's it's so disrespectful <laughs> but yeah. but he's playing it like he doesn't know but it's like clearly you're just shitting on this guy like even if you don't think he hears what you're saying you're you're saying it to like his second in command or whoever this other guy is who's got big mike barnes from karate kid three vibes that he i does <laughs> i almost like thought it was him at first i had to double check yeah. i was like no because this is like 10 years later he couldn't still look that young uh but yeah for people that watch karate kid three like the second in command is basically Mike Barnes, the bad boy of karate. Uh, but either way, because he's just shitting on it to, you know, uh, and he's shitting on someone superior to him. So I, I can't imagine, I'm not a military person, that that's a good thing. But yeah, you, yeah. But if you're just hearing the audio, obviously you're missing the way Gandolfini's playing it. But yeah, that's why I love that moment, even though it's not a lot of his lines. The way he reacts and plays it, it's so great. Yeah, you can see the clip if you just want to see the clip on our YouTube um, yeah. channel because we're going to have a stream where the actual visual is there. Just if you just want to see what Jim's talking about, which I recommend. Uh, so that shows what you know on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I can't believe we've gone this far without mentioning that Mark Ruffalo is in this film. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, um, I, 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 a boyish looking Mark Ruffalo. You forget like how long ago this was. I'm uh, basically 20 yeah. years um, and he's still playing the same character he always plays, <laughs> yeah, just like basically. Robert Redford. And, and yet I somehow always like him. Mark yeah. Ruffalo is such a weird actor in that he all he's like our, our modern day uh, Robert Redford, right? He ha does he act? I, I like him loads. It's just he always has the same voice and face and expressions or non-expressions and everything is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the way his voice is and the way like he has like the way he has these weird pauses sometimes um like in the middle of his dialogue like it's you'd look at him like all right yeah yeah that's a that's a mark ruffalo performance uh but yeah we don't mean that in a bad way but he just does have this same style that he brings to kind of every part <laughs> that he plays yeah and he plays uh just to let you in on what's going on he plays like the bookie in the prison he keeps taking bets on stuff and it turns out he's um, his dad was in a 
POW camp with the main character, Robert Redford, and he resents Robert Redford a little bit, and he was obviously a military guy, but he never really should have been in the military. So he's the guy who's basically like uh, Robert Redford... If, he, if Robert Redford can get him to be on board with his riot, yeah. then you know he's really Robert Redford, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah then, <laughs> then you, you know, know he's really got everything. And he does, of course. In the end, Mark Ruffalo is like, you know what? Like, Because he's the one who's being reasonable and like, Robert Redford, you keep getting people killed in this prison. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't do this. And he gets an offer to like snitch on him, get a reduced sentence, and you th- think he might do it. But then, like, you know what? I'm going to go and salute Robert Redford and help him stage this riot. Yeah, dude. And the, they, like, they're not allowed to salute, obviously, because they're in a prison. It, I mean, it's a military prison, but you're stripped of your rank, so there's no saluting. So they come up with a slick ass way to like go to salute and then just run your fingers through your hair. Gotta love it. Oh, and you know what? Actually, one of the things that was like, wait, I have seen this movie before is because they explain where saluting comes from. And I was like, I swear to God, I learned this from this movie and I've spouted (laughs) this. I've spouted this dialogue to someone else as if I'm a man of knowledge, you know? Oh, you know, actually where saluting comes from is when knights and the... (laughs) would pass each other on horses and they'd lift their, they'd go and lift their visor. And that's much like a salute to show them their eyes. And I'm like, holy shit. Have I spouted this word for word to, to other people? I think by leave I have. That's so funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. And as you said, Aguilar um, played by your boy, uh, your boy Clifton Collins Jr. Yeah. Is a very good character. He's kind of, um, uh, it's I don't know. He's kind of mentally unwell and kind of weird, and he takes a liking to Robert Redford, keeps saluting him even though it's against the rules. And uh, yeah, his part of the film is pretty good as well. Like I said, there's a lot of parts that kind of felt good. It was just like it didn't fully uh, resonate with me when stuff happens, like Robert Redford like cures racism in the prison without barely trying, right? Yeah. Uh, like they they have all these conflicts before he arrives and then he's got them all working together, working on the wall where previously only the whites were allowed to work on the wall. And there's just a lot of stuff that makes me deeply, deeply sympathize with uh, James Candolfini going, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> How This doesn't make yeah. any sense. And I also feel like, no offense, maybe there there's bits of this film where you might have to be American to uh, like it. Uh, I'm not saying that all U.S. citizens will be swept up by the military themes in this, but, like, the thinking around the army and around veterans and what it means to be in the army and a veteran is so different in the U.S. compared to anywhere else. I mean that on a broad scale in society maybe if you're obviously in the military you'll probably have strong feelings wherever you are in the world about you know patriotism and and things like that but as as far as robert redford standing at a character's funeral in this talking about the greatest tributes to men they're not like big statues they're a helmet on a rifle in a battlefield mm-hmm. and some dog tags. Uh, that's just not a line written for people outside the U.S. And yeah. after he says that, they all start singing. And um, and it's supposed to be all this swelling stuff. And I'm like, this is so disconnected in my brain f- from like societally anything that I'm used to, you know? Well, one thing I would say, though, is, I mean, everything you're saying is true, but... I still think there's there's an underlying message 
not just like this so happens to be a military prison. And maybe they didn't even mean this message, but I, I still think that it's there. If you just take that out, like take the military part out and you just had to be a prison. Yeah. The uh, the underlying message is still kind of like because one of the things that Robert Redford's character brings up is that you're more than the bad choices you've made. So, you know, even if you're in a prison and you've made mistakes or terrible choices, you have to be reminded that you're a person and that you're, you're more than that. And this one, it just so happens to be that, well, you were a soldier. And I mean, that's an easy shortcut because you can pitch it. I mean, depending on your point of view on war and military in general, but you could pitch it as like, you know, uh, discipline and, you know, putting something above yourself. Uh, yeah. But I still think there's something there for like, if it were people that were just in a prison, you know, you have to treat them with some respect. If you just, if you constantly remind someone of the worst mistakes they've made in their lives, they're never going to be able to get better. Now, again, I'm probably filling in and giving a lot more credit <laughs> to the film. No, I'm, I'm remembering it, like bits of the film yeah. that raise that point as you're saying it. Yeah. I just don't feel like the film communicates that. That is something they say in the film, and that's supposed to be what's used to sort of unify the people in the prison. But I think that like scene, that specifically that scene you're bringing up, it's using the military and them being soldiers in the, in this example, but I think that's what they're going for, though, is the fact that he's at sure. least the the guards and the warden are never letting them forget that they're they're only letting them think that they're pieces of shit because they're never letting them forget. And at least Robert Redford or, or, or General Irwin or whatever, he's at least treating them like people and letting them letting them be, be above their mistakes. I, I think that there's something there in that scene specifically. Interesting, yeah. Um, yeah. But he is I, using a said, lot of like, yeah, like you said, you know, uh, just put me, you know, put me in the ground in a foreign land and keep my helmet and my dog tags. Like he's using very specific, like, you know, military, like soldierish type shit for that, which I don't know a lot about. I've never been in the military. My family, I don't really have anyone in my family that was. So that doesn't resonate that much for me either. But at least I think there's just something more there as, as far as rehabilitation. But again, the movie's not really about that. So it's not going for that too hard. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I, I see where you're coming from. Um, I just feel like the the message of the film that's probably part of it but like it all gets a bit muddled by what we mentioned initially which is that the main character doesn't show emotion really yes and like the bad stuff that happens in the prison is bad but it's not bad enough to uh explain and justify sort of what happens in an in a sort of heroic way, the way the film depicts it. Like, it could be enough to justify it in the more shady version of the film that I was pitching, where it's more morally ambiguous of like, you know what, fuck James Gandolfini. Um, But kind of in universe of the film, a few people are kind of killed and shouldn't have been. Um, But they're also kind of given a chance to not be killed by lying down on the ground and they don't do it, so they get killed. So it's just kind of like, yeah, this prison is shit 
But like, it was worse in Shawshank Redemption. It was worse in many prison films I've seen. Yeah. So the fact that Robert Redford is like, I'm going to relieve this guy of my command, or of sorry, of his command, um, and stage a huge prison riot. It just kind of doesn't add up with his whole military. I'm just here to serve my time and get out, and I always obey orders. But I'm going to get so many prisoners killed right now. I'm going to get way more prisoners killed than just got killed in my action. And maybe it, it wasn't uh, that many prisoners that get killed in the end, right? Because it's a film. Um, but just logically what happens. There's also like just stuff where I'm like, I feel like I missed important bits where they built. They so built a catapult. Gonna get in, no, there's. A, yeah. There's, there's no. We're gonna get into some specific spoilers, but there's a trebuchet, a catapult yeah. at the end that they just built. They also built all these weapons and shit. All we see is Robert Redford with like a chessboard going like, "We need to take the towers," yeah. and then they take the towers. There's not that much like engaging conflict at the end. The filmmaking of it is pretty good, um, but just I don't get the scent I don't get the build up to it as much as I would have liked. It's just Robert Redford, the way his character is always morally right as is his plan perfect, and he executes it off-screen like it's fucking Ocean's Eleven. <laughs> well, no, exactly. I mean, but the thing is, and maybe it's because even, like, watching it, I'm like, this is going to be Ocean's Eleven. Like, I literally said that to myself. I thought, yeah, and I hate Ocean's Eleven in a lot of ways <laughs> because it is very much like it was all part of the plan because even when there's this whole thing with Mark Ruffalo and, like, will he turn on him? I'm like, no, this mm. is all part of the plan, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. the weapons I can forgive because I can just assume, yeah. like, hey, you got people that work in the kitchen. You got people work here. You can make weapons. Prisons have weapons. But, yeah, when they roll out a fucking trebuchet, a catapult, uh, I'm like, what? where the fuck did that come from? And, and I honestly thought I missed something. But, yeah, when I was digging around online, everyone's like, yeah, where did that come from? They just built it. <laughs> You know, if you yeah, because James it. Gandolfini is like the his second in command is like, what is that? James Gandolfini's like, I don't know, and I'm also like, I don't know. But I'm the problem is like that's kind of a cool, interesting idea if we see the build up to them, like because the whole sort of start of the film and end of the film, they're talking about what is a castle, and that's kind of the name is like the last castle. It's all about what makes it a castle, etc. So then bringing in a trebuchet feels like it's thematically relevant, but the build-up to it is not there. So it's so weird to have them just wheel out like an ancient what's, warfare weapon. Well, what's great, though, is in my 2020 mind, when they, when they start reeling it out, I'm like, is that a fucking guillotine? <laughs> it's like they bring out the guillotines. <laughs> Are they going but, fucking yeah. French Revolution right now? Uh, um, but they also have, so they also have the prisoners run out with food trays yeah. as shields. And they basically do like Roman fucking turtle maneuvers, tortugas, where they protect themselves by holding up the shields, protecting themselves from rifle shots. Though I guess they were rubber bullets. So it does add up. Because originally when I watched that, I was like, what the fuck? Because they just have like trays as shields. Um, I guess it kind of makes sense because they're rubber bullets, but it's just very much like, 
here's some military history for you. We're going back to the roots of, you know, what good military tactics are to win this, which is interesting, which I'm into. It's just that we never really see that beforehand. So when it's actioned, it's kind of like, ah, the Roman army and a trebuchet, man, this is, and we're talking about knights. We got a whole heap of history here. Yeah, and it, they, they were rubber bullets because then they have that one specific guy that's like, fuck rubber bullets. I'm taking out real <laughs> yeah. bullets. And he just says it so he can get killed a second later and you don't feel bad yeah. that like Mark Ruffalo crashes his helicopter into him and he kills yeah, him in a horrible Ruffalo. way. <laughs> Mark Ruffalo essentially commits suicide because I cannot imagine that that, you know, there's so many videos online of like a helicopter and like there's a slight tailwind and it fucking crashes. Mark Ruffalo takes the uh, fucking end propeller of his helicopter, smashes it into the tower. It explodes. The tower explodes. And he just kind of gently goes down to the ground, even though the helicopter's spinning out of control. Like it wouldn't just go on his side and fucking explode immediately. Although I guess apparently... I mean, well, I'm only basing this off of a recent news story. People be su- surviving helicopter crashes. There was a helicopter that was delivering a heart for a transplant, and it just mm-hmm. crashed on the top of a building. Like, it spun out just, I guess, similar to this movie, spun out and then crashed onto the top of the building. And the reason why it was, like, a story people are sharing is because they, like, dug out the heart from underneath, like, in the cooler yes. from underneath the wreckage, and they handed it to a doctor, and then the doctor slipped and just dropped it. Yes, but they still I used did it. hear that. And to be fair, um, I guess it didn't land super gently. It does crash, but Mark yeah. Ruffalo's fine. Don't worry about Mark Ruffalo. But also um, with the helicopter, <laughs> and I guess one of the things, and some of these things, I've been watching older movies, like all older than this, even though this is an old movie, but seeing things that are not all CGI is just like way more impressive to me now. So the yeah. fact that, because watching it i'm like oh they're using a helicopter and then i was like looking it up after and yeah they even they're using a helicopter and they even built like a gimbal that held the fucking military helicopter that they could like then swing it around and rotate it and shit and seeing some of that stuff i mean i'm such like a cliche i guess even though I, i i don't like completely hate cgi but it's just something so much better now just seeing things that are practical and you could typically tell in a lot of cases. So I just appreciate it. Yeah, that's fair. And like on that note, uh, like it's filmed in a hundred year old former Tennessee state prison, which is also where the Green Mile was filmed. Mm. And they fucking like, it makes sense because the whole movie takes place in this prison. They don't go outside it for even a flashback or anything, which I do kind of respect. Yeah. Um, but they sunk so much time and money into building everything around this and like building all the walls and the warden's office with the window and all so they could wreck it. So I really respect that as well as speaking yeah. of like the brick and mortar uh, filmmaking of it. They, they made all this shit and then wrecked it. It's just kind of like some of the motivations behind the action and everything don't feel like they line up completely, which is why I'm like, oh, damn it, almost. For example, at the very end of the film, um, where the riot sort of fails, or or, uh, finally, like all the guards come out and they have guns pointed at the people uh, who are all lined up in military style. And everyone turns on the warden, like the guards turn on the warden. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because... That makes sense. That should be the end of the film, but you haven't put the bits in place to get us to that because the warden, James Gandolfini, he's been a shithead, yeah, but there's nothing he's done most recently that's flipped it over the top. 
Uh, he hasn't taken any great actions to make the people close to him go, oh, wow, James Gandolfini's gone too far. We have to stop him. Uh, he, he hasn't done anything that's out of the ordinary for how he's run this place for ages, and everyone's been on board with this so far. But meanwhile, Robert Redford's character, his actions have gotten both guards and prisoners killed. So when James Gandolfini's like, shoot that motherfucker and everyone lowers their weapons because they all respect this guy. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't add up with That's the true. scenes that are in the film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause especially after a, um, uh, the, the, the big riot that just happened. I mean, I do get the fact that like, you know, obviously that he, sh- that Gandolfini murders him. <laughs> At the end, everyone's like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, maybe that would have made more sense if he just kind of immediately, like, rolls out and has to shoot him. I mean, it is even hilarious that, like, Robert Redford has to die at the end. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I guess, it is it, like, a twist that he didn't hang the flag upside down? Is it kind of like, no, I respect that flag too much. And then everyone like, has that moment of, like, looking up and be like, fuck yeah, dude. That's the flag. It ain't even upside down. It's that's such a problem because they keep talking about the flag. And so just for context, they're saying they've said loads of times in the film, hang the flag upside down. That's the international sign of distress. So they're going to do that to represent that they've taken over the prison. The reason they're doing all of this is so that the warden will be taken out of command. They don't expect to escape. They just want to cause a fuss so that the warden will no longer be the warden because he's a piece of shit, which makes sense. But so they want to, have this flag upside down doesn't even explain why he didn't put it up not upside down and also i will say he gets shot like three times keeps pulling the rope keeps pulling it up it's so weird to me that at the end because they don't show the flag right because there's a reveal that it wasn't upside down it's so weird that it's not at half mast just have it at half mast. Yeah, that's that should true. have been the thing, right? Yeah, that's... isn't that the obvious thing? Because he fucking got killed just then, and then the flag would be at half mast, and all the people are like, "Oh, how appropriate!" Because he just got killed. That but would have no, been like twist... an, that would have been an Ocean's yeah. Eleven type thing where he like planned <laughs> to get killed, like he knew he was gonna get shot. <laughs> no, but I would but say I that he, got, liked he it, did though. get. He yeah. literally gets shot. Like just the idea of someone raising a flag and they get killed in the middle of it. So the flag is half mast. It's just poetic. Yeah. Why wouldn't you make that the ending? <laughs> <laughs> but no, Robert Redford never does anything halfway in this because he's too badass. Yeah, he's so too it cool. goes up all the way. I don't even know. Like it feels like it's the end of the film and it is a powerful message that he put the flag the right side up but I don't know what that means. No, I agree. What does that mean? Jay? I agree. It really just means it, it. I guess it means like, uh, what does it mean? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's, it's kind of like whole last yeah. shot. And then it pans to like the fucking, his name in a stone in the prison. And I'm like, I don't know what that means. Or basically what he did was suicide as well. Cause he didn't even raise it upside down. Right. So yeah. what would have happened if he gave him the flag? Guess what? Fucking James Gandolfini would have raised it right side up, just like you did. So you just got killed for no reason. And it's not a, a I don't know what that means. I'm sorry to go on. A I rant think about it, it. It, 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 it has to be the, I think what they're going for is like, the fact that he raised the flag because they talk about the castle that that means he's taken it like uh and the fact that he didn't he's not in distress he's taken your castle even though he's dead and then also it's like a patriotic because it's they're all soldiers in the end even the even the the inmates 
So it's just this other thing like, yeah, that's what it's all about, man. The flag. Reading the Wikipedia summary says that, you know, to Colonel Winter, who is uh, James Gandolfini's, to his astonishment, after he shoots him, that's when he realizes uh, that it was raised in the correct manner. And it says in the Wikipedia summary, which means that he, the colonel shot Erwin for no good reason. If that was the plan, because then he... That doesn't add up either. That doesn't, doesn't really. So yeah. It, yeah, I get it the feeling. Matter. I get like it's like that thing when Tony Soprano's talking and he's like, "You ever almost have it? Like <laughs> you almost have yeah. the answer, and then it goes away." Yes. And 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 yeah. the thing is, I get what they're saying almost, where it's kind of this weird. It's like a weird trick. Um, and and it's like remembering a dream. Going, yeah. this was important, but I don't know why. <laughs> and it, it's supposed to be this weird trick where, yeah, from the grave, he's like, "Gotcha!" Like it is almost an Ocean's Eleven thing. Like he knew he was going to be killed, and that was the plan somehow. I mean, it is almost it is telegraphed that he understands he's going to die because he takes the picture of his grandson with him uh, before they go. But yeah, I don't know, man. It it just doesn't really work. <laughs> Yeah, so I've I've already laid out all the things I didn't like about the film. So maybe before we wrap up, let's talk a minute about James Gandolfini and his acting. Yeah, how it's how it's weird to see him in a different role when we've seen him in The Sopranos so much. The similarities and differences in his portrayal, the fact that he got paid five million dollars for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any uh, thoughts on uh, any of those facts, well, Jim? One thing I want to call out is because people love to share the. Um screenshot from the soprano i mean this is such a nothing thing but this is me on brand uh people love to share the screenshot from the sopranos when tony gets that beret for uh christmas because it's like so silly looking Mm. if you love beret james gandolfini this is the film for you because he's wearing he's wearing his military beret for a lot of the movie uh so that's great but no you're right he completely carries this movie and i guess part of it is I mean, being a big Sopranos fan, it is awesome to see him in a role like this uh, because mm. it's it is similar in a lot of ways. Like you'd mentioned, like the way he takes that slight, that is a very Tony move. But he he can play it, and he feels like more of a slimy character, which it's all him doing that, which is which is awesome. And I and again, I I said it at the start, but. My feeling is that I think he enjoys being able to play a character like this. Again, some of it's probably based on, too, I've read some stuff where, you know, he he obviously didn't love some of the fame he got from being on The Sopranos. And it's been said that he didn't love some of the more violent scenes and stuff he had to do. So maybe there's like some of of it's a reprieve to, to be in a part like this, even though he is like such a scumbag. But he's great. Oh, at you it. mean a sorry, Jim? Do you mean a reprieve? Ah, did I say, ah, thanks. Thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the, he's got his nasally uh, breathing going. He's in full form, and he, and he, based off all the stuff we said, I mean, the the way we've been criticizing this movie, he's giving it better than it deserves. He's earning his five million dollar check. Good for him, um, yeah. and. It does, like like we said, we kind of picked this randomly, but it does get me more excited. I want to see him in some other movies. I want to see some of his other performances. Yeah. Um, honestly, in my notes, I have, like, 
the breathing yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. he does the Tony Soprano breathing. You can tell that this is after season three of the Sopranos because he didn't do that breathing in the first bit. He took him a while to get into that yeah. uh, sort of that like hulking uh, appearance and, and stuff because he's a bit smaller in the first season, if that makes sense, even though he's not really. Um, it's great to see him playing the smarmy character. There's so many similarities to Tony kind of because he is like a piece of shit who will take a small slight and be totally ruthless and act like he's doing something because it's the right thing to do or, you know, following the gangster code or whatever, but it's actually him just being vindictive, right? So that's kind of a similarity in the character. Yeah. Um, it feels like, I think people reviewing it would have said that it's a bit, it's not like an obvious choice to put him in this role because the role is basically like, a guy who's in the military but hasn't seen action really and is just kind of a smarmy piece of shit who collects military memorabilia. That's the contrast they're trying to draw between the two main characters. So there's a dozen different people who could have done this role, maybe done it in a more sort of, I'm a polished guy who went to military school, but I never really saw action, but I believe in me having power more than I believe in, you know, the fundamentals of how the military should work. Um... So there's loads of different people who could have done this role, but no one could have done it like James Gandolfini. And he he lends the film so much personality. All the personality that Robert Redford, even though I like him, he that's the problem with him. He doesn't really have a personality because he's such a hero character. He's not even really like changes that much, you know, during the film um, because he's just, this, he is supposed to be this guy who you just follow because he's a general. Uh, James Gandolfini brings a lot of personality, even though his character is kind of a little bit flat because he's just like the bad guy, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. It, it feels like he maybe came into it because the casting of the film was like, right, we need someone who's this kind of guy, so we pick Robert Redford. And then we need someone who's this kind of guy who's kind of popular to make it, uh, maybe hopefully make the film popular, and they pick James Gandolfini. Even if that's how it happened, he just does a great job in it. And as you say, I am eager to see him in roles that are more different from Tony because this is kind of pretty similar. Um, and I I would love to see him in, in, you know, something that's absolutely the opposite of Tony Soprano, if that makes sense, just for contrast. Uh, but he does a great job in this as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, so I, I guess we're kind of wrapping up there. Um, what... I, I did want to take something, just going back to what we said, a quote from one of the reviews that came out uh, around the time that uh, this film came out, which says, the themes that ring out most loudly in the end, some men are just born leaders, others do best if they conform, are numbingly retrograde. <laughs> They're, uh, that's kind of it at the end, because it's like, that's what the film is saying, that this James Gandolfini character, he's just not... He, he just hasn't got it. Robert Redford does. And that's kind of where I'm like, ah, this film would have been better if it hated both the main characters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think even the Ebert review, they, they talk about how, like, or he mentions that he, like, the Robert Redford character does also delight manipulating those they can control. But, yeah, the film doesn't yeah. look at it that way. Um, yeah. So it doesn't get to explore that, which you're right. Exactly. would have been more interesting. 
But again, like I, ha- I watching this, I was like, I'm going to love talking about this. And I <laughs> hope you enjoyed it as well. I yeah. know I went uh, a bit negative there. Uh, there's a lot to like about the film. And hopefully this discussion will uh, tell you whether you it, it's something that will be a good fit for you to watch or not. Thank you for listening all the way through, If whether or not you've seen the film and whether or not you want to like uh, beat us up for not liking your favorite film or mispronouncing stuff, uh, whatever the reason. You can actually send us feedback along those lines in a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd very much appreciate it, even if it is four stars. And uh, you can also get in touch via Shows What You Know show at gmail.com with suggestions of uh, other James Gandolfini films we might get into. Um, We're probably going to do The Godfather next on this feed, waiting for that to come out, as we said. Um, But there's other James Gandolfini stuff, other mob stuff. Uh, We'll probably want to do other famous mob films just to stay on the theme as well. So there's going to be things coming up sporadically. Uh, More regular um, releases can be found at showswhatyouknow.com. We're about to start releasing um, more of Blank Meets Blank, the show where we make up a TV show in every episode, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. It shows what you know.com. But beyond that, Jim, is there anything else we should say? There's just one more thing left to say. One more one more thing left. That's that's about that. <laughs> what what's that, Jim? Cut to black. <laughs> <laughs>